Growing as fast as the city of Kelowna. This is CKOV-FM 103.9 The Lake. It's now just over a year that Kelowna's 103.9 The Lake was launched. Helmed by former Clear Sky Radio President Paul Larson, I've been trying to get him on this podcast since he got approval to buy the station, which under its former branding as Soft 103.9 was one of the early casualties of the pandemic. Now with a year of operation under its belt, we talked to Larson about the ups and downs of being a standalone owner in a highly competitive small market, honoring Kelowna's radio history and more. So my name is Paul Larson. I was doing the math just before we got connected on the call here. This is my 35th year in, uh, in radio. And I kind of got into it in high school uh, in Fort St. John, BC in 1986. Our high school had a radio club. And if you were part of the radio club, you got to do a one hour show on Sunday. So I signed up and I did my first show on a Sunday. And the next day, my dad owned a restaurant and his sales rep came down from the radio station and said, hey, there was a kid on the radio last night with the same last name. Do you know who he is? They connected the dots and uh, long story short, the radio station offered me uh, a job doing Friday night and Saturday nights. And this is when I was in grade 10. So through grade 10, 11 and 12, I I did the Friday, Saturday night uh, show six till midnight on 560 CKNL in Fort St. John, BC, the only local radio station at that time in, uh, in Fort St. John. And when I graduated high school, they offered me the job of program director and afternoon drive. And so I did that for a year. And then I transferred to uh, Nanaimo, where the owners uh, owned a radio station. And I was on the air in Nanaimo doing middays. And about six months in, Doug Rutherford was vacationing on Vancouver Island, heard me on the radio, and phoned up. They were looking for an overnight host on CKNW uh, back in the day when they played music. And so I, I flew uh, over to uh, Vancouver. They came and picked me up in the, uh, the little Cessna, the eye in the sky. And uh, I met Ray Dagg, uh, picked me up at the airport in his uh, green Jaguar and drove me into New Westminster. And uh, from Richmond to New West, he coached me all the way through on the interview. And it was a really intimidating interview because it was in the big boardroom at CKNW. John Ashbridge was there, Ray Dagg, uh, Doug Rutherford. And I, I can't even remember some of the, the other people, but there was about six or seven people. And um, anyway, I got the job doing overnights on CKNW. And at the time, the Western Information Network also existed, so the show was carried throughout British Columbia. And I did that for about four four years. And um, Rick Honey was filling in for Frosty one morning, and uh, Rick came in about 3.30 in the morning. He said, you know, kid, you're, you're, you're pretty good, but you're probably not good enough. You're ever going to be a major market uh, morning show guy in a, in a Vancouver or a big market and, and make the kind of money you need to survive, so you should go be a program director. And I started applying for those jobs and moved uh, from Vancouver to Westlock, Alberta in uh, 1992, I believe, and went, uh, went up to Westlock, became the program director for what was Nornet Broadcasting. And uh, we had about 15 AM radio stations in rural Alberta. Did that for seven years, ended up in Calgary at Country 105 as an assistant PD and music director, then went to Newcap and launched their smooth jazz station in Calgary as the program director. And then I got a call from uh, Hugh McKinnon, who was was the owner of Nornet. They were looking for a general manager in Nanaimo. And uh, I grew up in Victoria as a young child and wanted to go back to the island and and, uh, had aspirations to be a general manager. And so I moved uh, to Nanaimo to be the GM uh, around 2004-ish. 
and, uh, and became the general manager and the president of Island Radio, which was six, six stations in Nanaimo and Parksville and Courtney, Comox. And I uh, did that for a few years uh, until the company was sold to Patterson. And I had a, a desire always in my career to be an owner. And uh, we had applied for radio stations in Lethbridge and Medicine Hat prior to Island Radio being sold. And so when we won those stations, I went off and formed Clear Sky. We ran Clear Sky for 12 years. And at the end of 2018, we sold that company. And um, I thought that was going to be the end of my, my radio career uh, in 2019. But I, I found myself just a little too young to be retired. And I was a bit bored. I was living in Kelowna. Uh, when COVID came and uh, 103.9 went into bankruptcy, I um, looked at that opportunity and, and ultimately put a bid in with a bankruptcy court and found myself back in radio when uh, when that purchase was approved. And uh, a year ago, uh, almost to the day, we relaunched uh, 103.9, which is, of course, now the lake here in Kelowna. So that that's kind of my, my career path from uh, you know high school till today, I guess. It's an interesting move to buy a station at the outset of the pandemic, not to mention one that had just been a casualty of soft ad sales with everything that was going on. Did your friends think Paul's lost it buying a station in this climate? Yeah, I, I, I probably thought that myself. <laughs> uh, certainly, I had lots of colleagues and friends that, that made that same kind of comment. You know, I think part of it was just getting caught up in that process. You see a radio station go dark, which I'd never seen in, in my career. I always had this dream of, of running a station in Kelowna because I had lived here for, you know, eight or nine years at that point and, and thought it would be great to be in the local media so I think when that whole thing transpired, I really got caught up in that process. And, and then your brain just goes into overdrive, you know, how do I make this application? How do I make this work? And, and I don't think I really thought about COVID as much as I probably should have or could have. But in hindsight, if I had, I probably would have chickened out and, and not done it. And, you know, COVID certainly was a significant impact on media in those first three to six months. But by the time you know, I was going through the application process with the bankruptcy trustee, we were already seeing a return to some advertising, albeit slow. And of course, here we are, you know, two and a half years later, and, um, you know, business is generally back to where it was pre-COVID and, and life's coming back to normal. So, you know, but I, I probably would have talked myself out of it if I had overthought um, the impact of COVID, because it was really scary at that time, for sure. As a consultant for the station, though, you had a pretty good idea of what you were getting into. Yeah, I, I did. So, you know, when when Vista started that station in 2008 and then sold it to Castanet, and, and I became a, a consultant to Castanet when they bought the radio station and, and moved it into their, their building. So I had two years of sort of working knowledge of the radio station. And what really happened was Castanet was sold to Glacier Media, and Glacier was supposed to also buy the radio station. But, you know, there's a technicality uh, that I understand was involved because they're a publicly traded company and Glacier was not in the radio business. And that deal ultimately just never got approved by the CRTC for Glacier to take over the station for those circumstances. And that was a big part of why the station ended up in bankruptcy, even more so than soft ad sales and, and you know, some of the dialogue that was sort of communicated at the time that the station went bankrupt. You know, a big part of it was the, the, the deal of the radio station itself not being approved by the CRTC and, and those circumstances. So, you know, I, I had some of that that knowledge. And I certainly knew the station. We were on, you know, a, a new path formatically with the station and we were starting to see some headway in ratings and whatnot. So, you know, I just, I thought that, 
you know, there was still an opportunity here for that station to be successful in a certain path in terms of the format and, and the direction of the station. And I think, you know, we're, we're proving that out here, you know, a year after bringing the station back to life that, that you know, there, there was an opportunity for it here. Do you want to talk a little bit about the Kelowna radio market? You have a market of roughly 150,000 served by six commercial stations, which has notoriously been considered over-licensed. Do you want to talk about staying competitive in that environment? Yeah, there, there's no doubt. It's it's not easy. There's a lot of radio here for the uh, for the size of the community. There's there's no doubt about that. But quality product always rises to the top. And I think, you know, if you take that radio advertising pie and divide it up equally among the six competitors or the six radio stations, there is a business case for each of those stations here. I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not saying that it's not a lot of radio for us for a town this size, but you know, with, with the right focus and a good product and, and being on your game, you can still make a business out of it. I'll got to be honest, it's tough as the standalone FM radio station when your competitors are Bell, Stingray, and Patterson, which are all giant companies with lots of resources, multimedia capability. You know, so running a, an old-fashioned standalone FM radio station in 2022 in a market where there's a lot of radio, it's not easy, but our product has been exceptionally well-received, uh, both from the advertising community and the listener community. You know, we're, we're still able to make a viable business out of it at this point. Let's talk about the product because Cologne is a unique market in that its population density over 45 plus is highly concentrated, not a demo that the industry or marketers in general go after. How has that worked out? That's a good point. The, the larger companies, for whatever reason, seem still focused on that, that generic adult 2554 demographic. Uh, national advertising still by and large, 90% of the buys come in that target demo adults 2554 for whatever reason. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that it's people over 40 or 45 that have the most disposable income and are buying the big ticket items. So, you know, I, I think it is in a community like this where you have a healthy proportion of people in that demographic and it's a growing community that it really made sense for us to continue to focus on that demographic. You know, we probably brought the music younger by about a decade compared to what the previous ownership was doing. So, you know, we're, I, I always say our, our core demos adults 35, 64, but we definitely super serve that, that 40 plus target demo and local advertisers understand that the guys that are selling, you know, $2 million homes and, you know, the Porsche dealership and the, the RV dealerships, they know who their customer base is. And it's not 25 year old kids buying those big ticket items. It's, it's people in the demographic that we serve. So our bread and butter is built on that local advertising and targeting that demographic. We'll see where we fit in the adult 2554. We have not got a lot of national advertising, uh, partly because we haven't been in ratings to this point, but we're building our business on local advertising and, and our local business. And the national will kind of be our, our you know, sort of profit or gravy, I guess. The talent lineup that you brought in includes market veterans like Andy and TJ and Mark Jeffries. In addition to bringing the CKOV call letters back to Kelowna, how important was that to you to honor the radio history in the market? And has it resonated with listeners? For me, I'm, I'm what I'd call a radio geek. Uh, I mean, I've, I've loved this business since I was a kid in, in high school. And the, the heritage is, is really a significant sort of thing for me uh, personally. So when I had the opportunity to bring the CKOV call letters back to Kelowna, 
it was just a no-brainer to me. I had done the same thing in Lethbridge. When we launched our first radio station at Clear Sky, the CJOC call letters in Lethbridge, which again was the first station in that community, uh, going back historically, uh, were available. And we launched uh, with those call letters in Lethbridge, and it was hugely successful for us. And we target a demographic that remembers the call letters. So here in Kelowna, many, many of our listeners remember CKLV because, of course, it was a long-standing full-service radio station in this community. So it, it's a good marketing move in the sense that the demographic that we're targeting still remembers those call letters and still you know, writes them down in, in diary when they're, if they get a numerous ballot, for example. So you know, it's important from that standpoint. But it's also, to me, almost like a public service to bring those call letters back to this community and, and put them back where they belong. So I'm quite proud of the fact that we were able to, to do that, uh, even though you know, we don't use them as our primary branding. We tie the call letters together with the Lake brand that we came up with. And so we've got a bit of the nostalgia and, and a modern you know, radio station with a, with a, a really unique local brand. Uh, and that combination has worked really well for us. So you mentioned, Paul, that radio advertising and listenership is recovering. But a year in, where are you? And, and what's your impression of what things look like in you know a smaller medium market compared to some of the major markets, you know, I, I spent most of my career in smaller markets. I did I did my little stint in Vancouver and Calgary, but by and large, the majority of my career has been spent in small and, and medium sized markets. And radio in these markets is different than it is in the top five or top ten major markets. You know, satellite radio is not as much of a, an impact, for example. You know, certainly streaming and, and all the modern ways of listening to music are still there. But in these smaller communities, if you have local news and local talent and you talk about sports and what happened, you know, on the streets last night and you remain local. And I know it sounds a little cliche to always talk about remaining local. But in, in these size markets, people still want to get up and know what's the weather going to be look like? What happened last night? Did the Rockets win? Are they making the playoffs? Um, you know, if you focus on that content, uh, this business is still extremely viable in these size markets because you don't get that on satellite and you don't get that streaming. So, you know, we've always made in, in my career uh, a concerted effort to make sure that what we're doing in between the music is relevant to the community. And that's why, you know, it was important to me to hire all local talent that are from this community, have lived here, understand Kelowna, understand the Okanagan. You know, and I was just fortunate. Sometimes the the chips all land in your plate at the same time. So, you know, Bell had made a decision to change their morning show and Andy and TJ happened to be available right when I was relaunching the station. You know, I, I didn't know that when I went through the bankruptcy process and bought the station. You know, I've, I've known Mark Jeffries for a long time to, to coax him out of retirement to come back on the radio. You know, it, it took a little bit of effort, but, but he really loves what we're doing. So for him, it was a passion thing for him to be able to come back and do local radio. And, you know, Crystal Darsh, a veteran from Vancouver and, and more recently Edmonton, had moved to West Kelowna and she was available. You know, so we've had this real opportunity to, to focus on local and it's important. Even, even our most recent change, Crystal needed a full-time uh, job outside of radio and, and she decided to, to pursue that and continues to do weekends for us. And then we got Susan Knight, who is another longtime Kelowna veteran, uh, to do our afternoon drive show. So, uh, you know, we've, we've really focused on local and I think that is the critical component to a successful station, particularly in this size of a market. Is there an advantage to being an independent in that you don't have to think about synergies and network talent 
and other considerations that come with running a network, which you have experience with. Yeah, it, it, to me, it's a completely different mindset. So I'll give you a good example. When, when I go talk to a client, I'm talking owner of radio station to owner of business. And that right off the bat is a different relationship than sales rep talking to the owner of a business. Um, so, you know, there are, there are some advantages that way. Also from the way that we operate, you know, I, I am very hands-on with this station. I write all the imaging. Uh, I pick the music library. I help schedule traffic when I need to, you, you know, I handle some of the billing and admin stuff uh, personally. So it's just a, it's a different mindset when you're an owner operator than when you're a big corporation, you know, and, and it's, uh, there's nothing against the big corporations. It's just very, diametrically different from operating your own owned and operated radio station than it is if you're, you know, Bell or Stingray or, or even a Patterson. It just the circumstances are different. So it, I think there's a, a bit of an advantage. There's certainly disadvantages too. We're tiny and small and don't have near the resources that, that the big companies have. And, and that can be a big disadvantage at times as well. There are a few stations that come to mind owned by some of those big players that have very little live local content remaining on the airwaves. And I'm wondering, is relinquishing those stations to independent owners, you know, kind of the future of the business? I mean, it's a good question. The The radio review uh, has been underway for a couple of years at CRTC, and the decision will come down uh, sometime this calendar year uh, is the general consensus. And common ownership uh, rules are at the top of that, uh, you know, radio review. It's certainly one of the major components of the radio review this year. If you look to the United States, what you're kind of seeing is a divestiture of the biggest operators of some of the smaller markets. And then you're seeing new regional players uh, kind of come in to, to fill that gap. I can see something like that happening in Canada, uh, where you get a really strong regional player, or maybe an existing regional player like a Vista, you know, continues to get bigger and can acquire some stations in those markets where maybe Bell Media or Chorus or, or, or the really big guys don't necessarily want to own and operate stations anymore. So, you know, I, I can see a, a period maybe where the, the, the really large publicly traded companies only want to be in the top five or 10 radio markets. And that'll create an opportunity for some smaller independent players, you know, in the small and medium sized markets. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a bunch of guys like me that come out and buy single stations. I think what you're going to find is you're going to create um, an opportunity for larger regional independent operators that can focus on on these market sizes. And, and that's probably um, what will come out of this next phase of consolidation if the CRTC does allow some flexibility with the, the current ownership limits. As you touched on, Paul, when the deal was first approved by the CRTC, we spoke about you becoming a true owner operator in your home city and having that community connection as opposed to your, you know, former life running a network. Has coming out of semi-retirement been everything you imagined or are you ready to go back in, Paul? <laughs> I don't think I'm ready to retire again. I will say this. I'll say it's been more challenging than I thought it was going to be in the sense that we are a very small team. I mean, there's myself, my sales manager, and my on-air talent. Uh, and, you know, and I do have some help with music scheduling and, and, and administration. But yeah, and we're a small team of, of seven people uh, trying to run a radio station in a rapidly growing, larger, small market with a lot of competition. So it's been more challenging than I thought it was going to be. Partly because when I had Clear Sky, I think I forgot that I had 
you know, I had all this infrastructure. I had a chief engineer. I had general managers in every market. We had program directors and, and you know, 65 staff between, between all the stations. So I had infrastructure. And, you know, again, you sort of, when I jumped into this thing in Kelowna, I probably had all that in the back of my mind and didn't really think through, how am I going to operate this by myself? A year into it, we've figured out some of those mechanics and we're doing some really creative and interesting things in terms of how we operate to be able to be successful uh, in a market this size. And, and that to me has been some of the fun is reinventing the way that we actually run a radio station because we're doing a lot of non-traditional stuff you know, to make, to make this business viable. Is there a thought you want to close on, Paul? All through my career, there's there's been this notion that radio's past its its shelf life and and radio's eventually going to disappear. I honestly, I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to continue to see this business evolve in in such a way that uh, radio will be a piece of the media puzzle forever. But as you've seen from all the large companies, you know, becoming media companies as opposed to broadcasting companies. You know, radio is going to be one piece of the puzzle that they offer. They're going to have their digital, they're going to have radio, they're going to have, you know, social media and, and all the pieces that, that kind of augment it all together. I think probably the days of standalone radio stations, and that's your sole core business, that probably will have a sunset at some point in time. And it's probably not too far into the future. So I think you've got to continue to evolve and, and grow. And, and do some of the unique stuff that we're doing. You know, for example, our talent all work from their own professional studios. So, you know, we have a shared sales office and a, and a, and a local point of operation for this radio station, but we don't have traditional studios as, as an example. You know, all of our talent are working from professional studios in their own residences, basically. And, and that is a really unique thing. And technology has helped us to do that. And there's not a listener listening to our radio station that would know that. And in fact, I've got a lot of friends and peers in the business that haven't realized that. And, you know, they come through Cologne and say, hey, can I pop by and see your studios? I'm like, well, uh, no, but, you know, you, you, can, you can see our, our sales office if you want. And, and I think it's just thinking outside of the box and being innovative in, in how we see this business in the future is really important. The, the one thing that still gets me down about this business is all the radio stations still see all the other radio stations as their primary competitors. So the, the, the fight against rate and driving each other into the basement on, on you know, unit rates and stuff like that, I still can't believe that we're at a place where we're doing that to each other and, and letting other media kind of pick up the pieces that we leave behind. That's probably my biggest frustration uh, of operating this station, that that really still hasn't changed, even after coming out of, of something as desperate as COVID-19 and, and, and really needing to rebuild our businesses. And, and, you know, still radio stations are out there beating each other up on raid on the street. It, that to me is, is the most sad part of, of our business really that, that we're still doing that. Thank you so much for joining us, Paul. No, it's, it's been great. It's, it's overdue. We've talked about doing this for a long time and uh, it's great to talk to you, Connie. I appreciate what you guys are doing at uh, Broadcast Dialogue and um, happy to, happy to chat with you for a few minutes about uh, what we're doing up here. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. 
For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.